0: and she's going to
1: share the highest performing campaign type for low budget accounts specifically in performance max and we call it a feed only performance max campaign and this thing is truly genius like i've seen it i've seen it at work and you're basically tricking google into making a smart shopping campaign inside of performance max this was so valuable to us we actually toyed with the idea of not t- not telling people about it which if you know anything about solutions eight is something of a tragedy or a travesty because we give away literally everything on our YouTube channel like we 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 give away the farm but a member of our team I think invented this this feed only Pmax campaign and we were like this is so whoever cool we're did. not going to tell anybody
2: whoever came up with this is a genius though i mean it was a it was a game changer for for starter ppc honestly i wonder if we wouldn't have made it starter PPC because oh, we, launched, right. we launched right into the storm when it comes to PMAX. And we were like, PMAX does not work for small business. Right. For small budgets.
1: So we figured out how to make performance max work for small bus. Now this is only for e-commerce, obviously, but th- there's some learning lessons, I think for lead generation. And what we're going to do is we're going to have Regina explain what a feed only PMAX campaign is right after this quick break.
2: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear. using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at ReputationKing.com forward slash PT.
1: And we're back with Regina Bellows. How, how <laughs> yeah. would you describe it? Like I mean, I, I know I've sort of stole the thunder there a little bit, but is anything you'd add to it or anything else you'd use to buttress that definition?
2: That's about it. Yeah, it's a it's basically a workaround to turn performance max into back into smart shopping while calling it Performance Max. It's really great. We even have some additional insights that I think were not available in smart shopping. So it's kind of a bump up. So when when we first started running, working with small budgets at Starter PPC, we were running full Performance Max campaigns. Performance Max has something called asset groups inside of it, right? So asset groups are filled with creative assets. You wanna feed it with videos and images and ad copy, and you wanna, put it into buckets full of creative assets. And the more you have, the merrier. And then with all those creative assets, Google goes out and does a ton of top of funnel activities because Performance Max, that's their whole thing with Performance Max, right? Google says, we're going to go after 80% new business. We're not going to spend all the money on remarketing, right? So they use those asset groups to do a lot of top of funnel type activities. And then there's also a shopping feed. There's a feed full of products, right? With all your product titles, your product IDs, and that's in the campaign as well. So it does everything. Performance Max does shopping network, display network, Gmail network, video networks, (laughs) YouTube networks. John can just rattle those off like in his sleep and I still don't have it down. The problem with this, yeah, is your budget is real small. And while we do want to do a little bit of top of funnel activities, we need to start out by trying to get to the goal as soon as possible. I say we do want to do a little bit of top of funnel activities because top of funnel activities can and do feed bottom of funnel activities. Bottom of funnel would be something like shopping network, right? If you're an e-commerce company, you want to show a shopping ad because someone is probably looking for that product. They're probably going to go to Google shopping and they're probably going to view a bunch of different similar products and they're going to buy from there. So that's like inbound search, but for products. So anyways, we discovered, someone discovered if you split the performance max campaign into asset groups only without a product feed at all in there, and then separate Pmax campaign for product feed only, right? Which I like to call shopping only because that's really all it does is it shows your shopping ads.
1: And to be clear, you build a performance max campaign, you give performance max your feed and nothing else.
2: Correct. We literally restricting
1: the assets it has available to it.
2: Exactly. We don't even give it ad copy. We don't even set up an asset group. And if you're wondering how we do this, the more technical folks on my team tell me that you have to use the Google ads editor to kind of build that shopping only campaign and then push it into Google. Because if you try to build it directly into Google ads, it will force you to make an asset group. Of course, you're hacking performance max, basically. Basically. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: I wonder if Google knows we're doing this.
1: As soon as they figure it out, they're going to stop it. And anytime you find a way to make it work, Google kills it.
2: (laughs) But I don't know why Google wants to destroy small business. I mean, they should be going out of their way to give small business a leg up. And I feel like this performance max rollout has left small business in the
1: dust. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. We had to lift our minimums before November of 2021 our minimum ad spend to work with solutions eight was 3 grand now it's 10 you know we have an incubator program so between 5 and 10 we'll take somebody on but the, even the fact that we have to call that an incubator program i think is a tragedy and it's because google changed the game and you know you you, you if you can't pay for the data you can't play now hopefully that gets a little bit better with time I think as Google aggregates data on, you know, industry bases, then it gives it the opportunity to take on smaller businesses within those industries. But in the interim, to the point that you just made, small business has been completely left behind. So the fact that hacks like this exist, I think are super cool. They're super cool. And this one is so powerful that we almost didn't want to give it away. But it feels wrong not to. So if, you have, if you've tried Performance Max, specifically for e-commerce companies, if you have a data feed, you have to try this. Go run a PMAX feed-only campaign. Any other structural elements to the setup, Regina, that they need to know in terms of like, are they doing max conversion, max conversion value, obviously no limitations or restrictions, you know, the, the time to life, optimization schedules, anything like that?
2: There's not one that would fit across the board for, for everything, in fact so we, we switched it over to feed only shopping only pmax for all of our e-commerce companies pretty much in a few days and it immediately worked for some and then for others it took weeks to start seeing a bump um, in performance in return so it's kind of hit or miss but i you know i would say that it was that across the board it is working much better than just doing regular pmax we ended up turning off the asset asset group only campaigns We will probably turn them back on once they surpass like $5,000 in budget. But right now, we would rather control that top of funnel spend by having dedicated campaigns for it. So we have things like a YouTube, well, YouTube remarketing, for example, we run alongside the shopping only if we have videos, always have videos, by the way, (laughs) videos are great. Uh, Let's see, we run branded search always alongside Pmax. So there are a couple of, you know, there's a couple of campaigns that we build to supplement the asset group only campaign that we, we pretty much ended up turning off, for now.
1: So you you dropped a couple of gold nuggets there. Always have videos, and do these videos need to be like high production value. You know, are we hiring Harmon Brothers here? Or can somebody just break out their smartphone and fire off a video?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think production quality matters anymore. I think what matters is the first five seconds of the video and having a couple of videos, not one, (laughs) like five, where the first five seconds is different in each one. You can literally go to your favorite customers or your favorite clients and say, Hey, would you please send me a video on what you think about these products or these services? You know, I'll give you a slight discount, whatever you have to do to incentivize them. Take a couple of those, mash them up into a client testimonial mashup, right? This costs close to $0. If you don't know how to cut cut and paste them together into a mashup, then you can hire someone for 10 or 20 bucks on fiverr.com or upwork.com to do that for you. And that would be the most amazing remarketing campaign, remarketing video, which every, every business should have a remarketing video campaign. And that costs zero dollars. No, I
1: couldn't agree with you more. We actually, we ended up hiring an agency. We hired videocasestory.com and they created, they reached out to some of our, it's Ian Garlic. He's a, a buddy of mine now. And so Ian reaches out to, his, like I think, 10 of our most successful clients and interviewed them and then put those together as case study videos for us. And they're our highest performing remarketing assets. So That's a, that's a really good tip. I love the idea of reaching out to your best customers. Um, yeah, when you're running brand, you're, you're going to get thousands of impressions when you're running Google Ads, even if you have a low budget. You're going to get thousands of impressions where they've seen your brand name, they've seen your domain name. They might've seen your product name. And if you're not protecting your brand, then you could lose that conversion. Even if you get the conversion organically, you're not getting, you're not capturing the data. So you haven't fed the algorithm, which is the whole point, especially of an early stage campaign.
2: Yeah. Although I think you are still capturing that data because I mean, hopefully (coughs) Google's tracking works well enough that it knows that the person converted. So you're investing, you're investing in your brand when you run these shopping ads and these, you know video remarketing ads and things like that people are people who are interacting with your ads are now familiar with you it is so cheap to get that last click on the brand on the branded ad branded ads are always a cheap click because you have a really high ad rank because the you know the ad copy matches with your website like perfectly and it it's easy to win the bids over any competition that's bidding on you so you might as well win that click over a competitor who might be bidding on you, protect your brand name in that. So, you know, it's just, it's such a small amount of the budget to run brand that we always recommend running it alongside. Even if you're not maxing out your branded market size by just scooping up the bottom easiest 30%, it's like free money to make sure that you're not losing that sale, basically.
1: Love it. You mentioned a couple of other must have or must do's for small businesses, any that we haven't touched on yet.
2: Conversion tracking. False positives?
1: Oh, that's a great one.
2: I think this goes back to the kind of, well, it's kind of related to how businesses start out with too much top of funnel or businesses start out with too much, relying too much on the automation. Similarly, if you start out and your conversion tracking is not buttoned up, let's say you are telling Google that a a conversion happened when all they did was land on a page. That can be detrimental because it kind of you know, the algorithm has no data in the beginning. It focuses the algorithm in the wrong direction early on. And then steering the ship back towards high quality conversions later is a battle. It's, a, it's you're going to lose money doing that later when you might as well do it in the beginning. So don't launch unless you know that your conversion tracking is set up correctly. And unfortunately, that is a whole nother discussion on how to do that. But <laughs> Google does have something called the tag implementation team. You can literally just chat with Google, ask them to speak to the TAB implementation team. They will look over your conversion tracking and help you make sure that it's set up correctly.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Hey, guys, it's Cosmo here. And... I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. Regina, we have a few questions we like to ask at the end of the interviews. We'll play some rapid fire. You ready? Sure. All right. Here's the first one. What's your biggest traffic and conversion failure or what mistake were you able to learn the most from throughout your career?
2: So my career has been mostly focused on client management up until the past few months. For the first, I would say eight months that I worked in Google ads, it did not occur to me This is kind of embarrassing to say out loud. It didn't occur to me that if an account was hitting its goal, right, making the return that it needed, if if you're focused on return on ad spend, if you're focused on CPA, you're hitting that goal. If a if an account is hitting its goal and making the cash flow that it needs on each sale on average, it does not make sense to just keep running ads without growing the business. And I actually lost clients that way. I I lost clients by letting. The return on ad spend go too high. I lost clients by not going to them and saying, hey, let's start to scale now is the moment, right? So if you're hitting your goal and you're not growing, you're leaving money on the table. You're basically losing easy money that you could make by growing. And it took me so long to figure that out. But I guess I had to understand that you know budget and return kind of fight with each other. And so you have to understand how those two interplay with each other and how the algorithm thinks. And then all of a sudden something clicked and I was like, okay, I know how to grow businesses now with Google ads, (laughs) but it took me eight months of just like flailing about and trying to help before, before that clicked.
1: No, I think that's, you know what? I've seen this in clients, some of our more conservative clients, especially the budget minded clients, you know, I'll see people that are like, Oh, we've done our annual budget and our annual budget uh, lots for $10,000 a month in ad spend. And I'm like, well, you're getting a 1200% ROAS. So how about you double that? You know what I mean? It's like, who cares what the budget says, dude, you're you're making money, go spend, you have a money making machine, you have a magic ATM. It's like you put in a dollar and you get $12 out, go put in as many dollars as you can.
2: The moment you add the moment you increase your spend by 20%, all of a sudden your marketing budget goes up 20%. Like right. consider that your marketing budget is constantly in flux. It's I think it's you know, it's a kind of an old world way of looking at marketing because there wasn't such immediate immediate visibility into $1 in, $3 out or whatever, $12 out in your example. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I see people do too, is they focus too much on the vanity metric. Like they're obsessed with, let's for the example here is ROAS. And so they're getting a 1200% ROAS. And if they double their budget, then their ROAS would drop to 800%. But the lifetime value of a customer is, you know, whatever it's, it's off the charts. And I'm like, who cares that your ROAS dropped? On a long enough timeline, you're minting money. So I think people just get a little short sighted
2: we should do an entire discussion about that because i have lots to say about setting competitive goals.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good talk. All right, second question. Which SaaS product or tool is your favorite?
2: Okay. The tool that i can't live without in my job and if you work in the world of marketing or if you have a team at all that you need to communicate with, you might love it as well is <laughs> SnagIt. SnagIt is well, when I bought it, it was $45 one time and then only $12 a year. So I don't know if that counts as SaaS because I am paying ongoing, but it's not It's not expensive. It has brought me so much value. Like with Snagit, I can communicate whatever I need to to my team. Snagit has... Uh, it's a screen capture tool, but you can take like scrolling screen captures. You can actually like cut segments out in the middle of this, in the middle of the scroll. So let's say you're trying to get people to focus on the top of the page and the bottom of the page. You can literally cut stuff out of the middle of the page. You can blur stuff. Let's say you're trying to post stuff online, but you don't want to give away, you know, the name of the campaign because it exposes your, your brand or whatever it is. You could possibly want, you guys, you can do with... With Snagit, I couldn't live without it.
1: <laughs> Love it. That's a great one. Last question, Regina. Where do you think the biggest opportunity for agencies lies?
2: Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of different agencies over the years. The main thing that I see them doing is too much. Uh, and I know you're a big advocate of this, Cosmo, because you do. You know, Google Ads only. You started out with eight different services. You narrowed into one. Made sure you did that really well. And now you're considering maybe adding a second service. Agencies. You know, Even if you start with three different things that you handle, three different platforms or three different services, that's three times the standard operating procedures. That's three times the expertise that you need to hire for. It's three times the complaints you're going to get. I mean, just looking at the sheer volume of procedures that we have built over the past couple of years that we still have to build, it's insane. And it's only for Google ads. And, you know, I think about this all the time as I try to streamline stuff at Starter PPC, we're making email templates, we're making account build type of SOP, best practice documentation, things like that. Doing that for even two or three services would be overwhelming. I mean, it's already practically overwhelming. So yeah, if you streamline, you can really get good at what you do, really get efficient, really save money by having, you know, you know, your team members, be able to handle a lot of clients since everything takes as minimal amount of time as possible. And then, and then maybe add the second service once you've got that under control.
1: That's a great answer. Niche down to scale up, as they say, this is Regina Bellows, executive director at Starter PPC. Regina, if people want to hear more from you, where can they find you?
2: Well, starterppc.com. There's a little chat bubble with my face there. And I, you know, haven't really started a brand of my own yet. So I guess that's the best place. Or you can ask Cossum for an intro.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's long overdue, by the way, that your voice in digital marketing that I think everybody needs to hear. I like the way you think. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let us know what we can do better. We want to be the number one marketing podcast on the planet, and we can't do that without you. So you can go to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Tell us something we're doing right, three things we can improve upon, and most importantly, topics you'd like to hear about in the future. As a matter of fact, this interview today came from your requests. Everybody kept saying, how do we run ads on a budget? So I went and got the smartest person I know in the space on running ads on a budget. And as you could see, she dropped insane value bombs. So more about what you want to hear. And I promise we're going to custom tailor our show to you. You can follow Ralph and I on Twitter. Ralph is at Ralph HB. I'm at Cossum Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. All the resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. Again, Regina, thank you so much. And for the rest of you, peace.
2: You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic.